Does Pope Francis disapprove of having large families? That is our topic today on the John Henry Weston Show. This episode is going out to my wife and all moms, especially because I had to leave for Rome on Mother's Day. Today, we're going to speak about one of the most controversial statements of Pope Francis's pontificate. Comments which actually circulated the planet, gleefully carried by the mainstream media everywhere, who were overjoyed that it seemed that the Pope was singing from their own hymn book. It was when Pope Francis said, Catholics don't need to breed like rabbits. So let's start, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The very first command God gave to man at his creation recorded in Genesis 1.28 was this. And God blessed them saying, increase and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the air and all living creatures that move upon the earth. God is the author of life. As the scriptures teach, he opens the womb. As we read in Genesis 29, and we see again in the account of Abraham and Sarah, the parents of Isaac, and also Zachary and Elizabeth, parents of John the Baptist in the New Testament. Children are a blessing, and in procreation, parents cooperate with God in creating new souls for heaven, and it's a glorious teaching. This constant teaching of the church is what led to one of the greatest compliments to motherhood ever penned, that by Cardinal Joseph Mincenti, the great apostle against communism. Cardinal Mincenti said, and I quote, The most important person on earth is a mother. She cannot claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral. She need not. She has built something more magnificent than any cathedral, a dwelling for an immortal soul, the tiny perfection of her baby's body. Even the angels have not been given such a grace. What is more glorious than this? To be a mother." So, to get back to Pope Francis, have a look at this video of what he said, transmitted by news services all over the world. Some think that, excuse me if I use this word, that in order to be good Catholics, we have to be like rabbits. No. Responsible paternity, that is clear. This was said during a Q&A session on the Pope's return flight from Rome from the Philippines on January 19, 2015. The journalists asked the Pope about the Church's teaching on contraception in light of the large number of children in the Philippines, which some believe have resulted in severe poverty. The Pope began his answer, noting that it's important to have three children in order to sustain the population. So watch this extended clip with subtitles so you can see his emphasis, which actually makes clear his meaning. No, io confido in Dio. Ma guarda, Dio ti dà i mezzi per sì responsabile. No? Alcuni credono che, scusatemi la parola, eh, che per essere buoni cattolici dobbiamo essere come conigli, no? 
no. Paternità responsabile. Some people defended the Pope's words here with what seemed like really a mental contortion, suggesting that the Pope was just saying that having a large number of children by C-sections is irresponsible, as he said, but somehow wasn't suggesting that having a large number of children itself was irresponsible. But as you saw yourself, that explanation does not fit the context nor the content of the Pope's remarks. But more than that, it's contradicted by the witness of the new push to have fewer children coming from the Vatican under Pope Francis. It was at a 2017 Vatican conference where a Vatican bishop, who's a close advisor to the Pope, called for education for women so they'd have one or two children rather than seven or more. That sounds incredible. It was Bishop Marcelo Sanchez Sorondo, who hails from Pope Francis's homeland of Argentina. And he's the chancellor, actually, of the two academies, Vatican academies, the Pontifical Academy for Social Sciences and the Pontifical Academy for Sciences. And I know it sounds hard to believe that he said this, but I want you to listen to it yourself because he's speaking at the Vatican in English, albeit broken English. The idea of the church that we need education because it's not only the, the, the ends of the, of, the, of, the, of the marriage, it's not only to have children, but to educate the children and also the, 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 the person to, to, to have children, the, the woman and the man. And the, many, many priests say to me that the great solution for the question of, of procreation is the education of the women. Because when we have education, we don't have children. We don't have seven children. Maybe we have one children, two children, no more. Did you catch that? Because when you have education, we don't have seven children. Maybe we have one children, two children, no more. That's unbelievable coming from a Vatican bishop. And this is the head of two Vatican academies. Bishop Sorondo has invited many other speakers to the Vatican who advocate having fewer children. Watch Professor Wan Tse Li, a member of the Pontifical Academy for Sciences, speaking at the 2017 Vatican Conference, rejoicing over the massive decline in the numbers of elementary school children due to population decline over 20 years. You see, um, if you just follow the uh, religious belief or philosophical thinking, you said the population already go down. In Taiwan, it's amazing. When I went back in 1994, 40, uh, 400,000 students enter elementary school. This year, it's only 200,000. We number factor too. And if you think that's bad, it just gets worse. The Vatican has brought in a laundry list of population control activists, many of whom include abortion as an appropriate means of population control. The Vatican has invited population control advocate Jeffrey Sachs to the Vatican to speak on numerous occasions. He called legalizing abortion a cost-effective way to eliminate unwanted children when contraception fails. And that was in his 2008 book, Commonwealth Economics for a Crowded Planet. The Vatican invited John Bongartz, the vice president of the pro-abortion population control pushing Population Council to speak at their biological extinction conference. The Vatican even invited the likes of California Governor Jerry Brown, one of the most pro-abortion governors in the United States, to speak. Brown, in a 2010 campaign speech, said he'd been 
and I quote, an uncompromising champion of woman's right to choose and would continue to do so if elected governor, end quote. I could go on and on with scandalous speakers invited to the Vatican, such as pro-abortion UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, Professor Scott Peters, a member of the US House of Representatives, who actually in 2013 co-sponsored one of the most pro-abortion bills in US history, eliminating all limitations on abortion. There was also Professor Lise Van Susteren, who in her 2005 run for the US Senate voiced staunch support for abortion and homosexual marriage. There was also California State Senator Kevin DeLeon, who revels in his 100% pro-abortion voting record from Planned Parenthood. But even more outrageous than all of them was the invite to speak for the so-called father of the population control movement, Paul Ehrlich, who penned the 1968 scaremongering book, The Population Bomb. LifeSite News actually delivered a petition of more than 10,000 signatures asking the Pope to rescind Ehrlich's invitation. But... He spoke, nevertheless, at the Vatican on February 27, 2017. The biggest problem we face is continual expansion of the human enterprise. You know, I would love to see hundreds of trillions of human beings live over the next few million years rather than see if we can cram uh, 11 uh, billion in by 2010, uh, 2110 uh, and then let the whole thing go down the drain. I mean, the sustainability is talked about a lot, but a lot of people talk about things like sustainable growth. Uh, Perpetual growth is the creed of the cancer cell. uh, And we really have to look at the size of the human enterprise uh, and think about uh, why we're doing these things. Ehrlich champions sex-selective abortion, as well as mass forced sterilization as legitimate methods to curb population control. He did this in his book, The Population Bomb, Ecoscience, Population Resources, Environment, on page 837. As he said, and I quote, he has said, nobody in my view has the right to have 12 children or even three unless the second pregnancy is twins, end quote. Ehrlich has been inimical to the Catholic Church and her teachings on life, especially under the pontificates of John Paul II and Benedict XVI. In 2014, he wrote that the Catholic Church's moral teachings are, quote, just as unethical as a terrorist act. Not surprisingly, though, Ehrlich is fond of Pope Francis. He actually told LifeSite in an interview, and I quote, I'm thrilled with the new pope moving the church in the right direction, end quote. Cardinal Raymond Burke reacted to Ehrlich speaking at the Vatican, saying it's simply a scandal. He said, and I quote, I'm scandalized by it, and I don't see how any good Catholic wouldn't be scandalized by that. I just don't understand it. In reality, the world is experiencing a population implosion, a demographic winter, if you will. Due to their population control measures, China and India have a massive 70 million woman deficit. That's 70 million men without wives. That's the equivalent of the whole population of the UK or of France with all men and no women at all. Imagine the risks that poses. Already, various nations are reporting an epidemic of loneliness. The German news magazine Der Spiegel reported that gerontology researchers have linked the epidemic of loneliness among the elderly to a contraceptive mentality. They said, and I quote, the fact that more and more people are opting not to have children threatens to worsen the isolation experienced by older people. Indeed, childlessness 
significantly increases the risk of loneliness, end quote. That's from the German Center of Gerontology, Director Clemens Tesch-Römer. And in Germany, over 20% of the people aged over 70 have regular contact with only one person or none. Over 2 million Germans aged over 80 live alone. One in four receives a visit less than once a month from friends and acquaintances, and nearly one in 10 is not visited by anyone anymore. Der Spiegel reported that in 2013 already. According to the New York Times, 4,000 elderly Japanese now die alone every week. And every year there are new stories in Japan of people who die alone in their homes. Often their deaths go unnoticed and unremarked for weeks or months, rent and utility payments silently flowing out of the deceased person's bank account until finally neighbors complain about a bad smell. There's actually now a Japanese business whose business is to clean apartments after the corpses of lonelies are discovered in them. There's also the Islamic takeover, and I quote, If you want to see the face of Europe in a hundred years, barring a miracle, look to the faces of young Muslim immigrants, end quote. That was said by Philadelphia Archbishop Charles Chaput at a 2017 Napa Institute conference. Islam, he said, has a future because Islam believes in children. Finally, with our antinatalist culture, we are also depriving young married couples of the few years they have to beget children. That short space of time, some 20 years, flies by, as we know, once we reach middle age. So many young people realize today, only after it's too late, the joy of having children, of having many children. God is indeed the author of life. It's indeed a command to be fruitful and multiply, but it's also a blessing. I'd like to conclude this episode of the John Henry Weston Show with a personal testimony because this issue is so close to home for my wife and I. I pray this testimony demonstrates for you, as it does for us, that God opens the womb, that God loves large families, and that he indeed gives children as a blessing to be lovingly received and will give you the needed grace to raise your children as citizens for heaven. So, my wife and I are the parents of eight living children, but my wife conceived 11 children and lost three to miscarriage. The first child who died, Stefano, was miscarried on my wife's birthday, and she felt God had forgotten about her, especially since she lost the child on her birthday. We learned of the death of the second child we lost, Bernadette, on another day when gifts are received, rather than taken away, our 16th wedding anniversary. Likewise, we learned of the death of the third child, Jesse Emanuel on Christmas Eve, when our family normally celebrates Christmas and gift-giving. By this point, my wife expressed to God that all these gifts were taken from her on days that she should be receiving gifts, had he indeed forgotten her. So my wife begged God that within a year she would be able to have another child and that this child should live. And one year later, we found ourselves hosting a New Year's Eve party, attended by six couples, some of our closest friends actually, and at the party, five of the women were newly pregnant. And unbeknownst to me, that was a very heavy burden on my wife, and so she went away privately and wept. You forgot somebody, Lord, she prayed silently through her tears. You've given the gift of life to all those beautiful daughters of yours out there, but you've forgotten one. You forgot me. And a few weeks later, we actually learned that she too was with child, 
And although we did not know it, at the time she was pregnant at that New Year's Eve party as well. Having had three miscarriages in a row, ultrasounds were very routine. And one of them showed that the child was a boy. And then we were actually perplexed. You see, we already had five boys and um, a family tradition of, um, of giving each child three names. So we had already used up 15 boy names. And so after a while, my wife suggested that we name uh, the baby Zachariah. But I preferred the English version, Zachary, and uh, we could not agree. So we debated back and forth for some time. Now, one of my wife's friends uh, called my wife to relay a dream that she had. She said, Diane, don't worry. She dreamt that our baby was born alive, but also that Diane and I were arguing about the name of the baby. John Henry was insisting the name should be Zachary, and you were saying Zachariah, she said. Yet we had not told any about anybody about the debate over the names. Diane and I felt the dream was a kind of heavenly confirmation that Zachariah, or Zachary, uh, was to be the name God intended for the child. It was then that Diane decided to investigate the meaning of the name Zachary, or Zachariah. As she googled the name, tears began to stream down her face as the meaning of the name appeared on the screen. Zachariah means the Lord remembers. Her prayer, Lord, have you forgotten me, was indeed answered. Thank you for watching this episode of The John Henry Weston Show, and may God bless you.